You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 130, Writing and Telling Your Story with Andrea Askowitz. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. You're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected. This is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hi, Mama. I am so excited for you to listen to today's interview. I think it's one of my favorites. And I know my interview episodes are always much longer than my usual ones, but listen all the way to the end because A, it's really good. And B, I told you last week that I'm offering a workshop in February, unlike anything I've ever done before, and I'm co-hosting it with today's guest, Andrea. We talk about what the workshop entails and how you can join us, and there's limited availability because we want to keep it small and intimate. So if there's any part of you that thinks it sounds interesting, and especially if you find yourself thinking, that would be totally out of my comfort zone... I want to encourage you to sign up pronto. (laughs) Also, join us tomorrow, Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live to meet Andrea and to ask your questions about the workshop, okay? There is some mild profanity in this episode, which is not typical for my show, so you may want to listen with headphones if your kids are around. But without further ado, here's my interview with Andrea Askowitz. All right, Andrea Askowitz. Yay! Hi, Pam Howard. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for being here. I love it when you call me Pam Howard. Oh, doesn't everybody? That's like your nickname. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Some people call me Pammy, but only a very few can get away with that. Um, So I won't try it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about first how we know each other and... And then we'll get into like why you're here. I love you to death. No, I was thinking about this last night. Like you and my sister, Stephanie, are, have been best friends since when? How old were you? We were 11. We met in sixth grade. So how old were you? Because you were so little and adorable. So when you were 11, I was five. I was in kindergarten. So you're still five in my mind. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you're little Pam Howard. Oh. Yeah, I mean, not five maybe, but, you know, that's how I feel about you, like little sister love. Yeah. Oh. And also, you're so much like Stephanie that I, like, I just have an immediate, you know, adoration and fondness for you. We joke that we actually are the same person. <laughs> Very similar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So, and people think we're twins when we're together, which used to really annoy her because she'd be like, what do you mean? I'm six years older, but now she thinks it's a compliment. And now I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, I thought she was like, wait, what? I'm so much prettier. No, (laughs) maybe, but I thought it was because she thought it wasn't cool for people to think that she was so much younger than she is. But anyway. But what about now? Now that she's 52. Oops, I just outed her. Oops. <laughs> um, Wait, you know so, what? You want to know what's funny? People yeah. ask me if, if I'm twins with my brother. 
This it's like the dumbest thing. They're like, you guys look exactly alike. Are you twins? Like, well, he's a boy and I'm a girl. So if we were <laughs> twins, we wouldn't be identical. But no, we're not twins. <laughs> it's just like anyway, we look alike. Yeah. So we've known each other forever. And but I don't feel like I really knew you until I was like an adult almost, you know, like when we, we were both living in Washington, DC at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's when I kind of got to know you. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is that, right. We've known each other forever, but, and in that way, we know our histories. Like I know your family. I know what it was like for you to be a kid. And, and then it's true. I got to know you. You were in college though. Still. So you were still little in my mind. <laughs> right, right. And you were in you were in graduate school for public policy or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was. I was fixing to save the world. And then that got too hard. And then I <laughs> that didn't work out. Like I mean, I failed at that. So. Well, what what were you fixing to do? Lots of things. I was a full-on advocate for like women's rights, queer people's rights, the environment. Like I worked in all kinds of raising the minimum wage. Like I got a lot of different jobs, and um, and and I literally got fired from all of them. And it was hard for me to. Well, that's a story, but it was just hard for me to work for other people. But um, but my intentions were there. Like I really did want to raise the minimum wage, and I did want to clean the air and water. Anyway, so I did stuff like that for like 15 years or or 20. And then what happened? And then I got pregnant. And maybe this is what brings me on um, less drama, more mama, because I got pregnant on my own. I was approaching 35 and Mm -hmm. didn't want to miss the chance. Your sister, by the way, was, um, was like, girl, you're doing this out of order. I was like, I'm already a lesbian. I'm already out of order. (laughs) <laughs> so it took her a minute to um, come around to the decision, but then she did. And now she's the godmom of my baby, who's now 17. But so I had, um, God, I'm outing her left and right, y- your sister. Okay. But um, her age, her criticism. Okay. But then, so then I had a, a baby and then I retired from um, sort of like social justice work and decided to become a writer full time. And that's, that means I was working then for myself. So I couldn't then get fired so easily. Right. Okay. And so the reason that I wanted you on this podcast is because you're a writer and I talk a lot about writing as, you know, something when I'm working with my clients, I want them to write their thoughts down on paper. I think it's really important that we get what's in our head out on paper, out of our heads so that we can have a look at it. I feel like write, I've always enjoyed writing. I've ha- I had a journal from a very young age and it's always helped me just get my thoughts together. And so, and you, you're not just a writer, but you're a storyteller. And that's another thing that, you know, I want to talk with you about because I think that our thoughts are just like the stories we tell ourselves, right? But I loved what you said about getting thoughts on paper because I'm, I'm so in alignment with that. Like I so agree that when you put your thoughts on paper, then your thoughts are sitting there and, and I view them then as art. Like now you have a piece of art to work with. 
which even though my stories and my storytelling and my writing revolves around true stories, people's true stories, my own, but once it's on the page, it then exists outside of me and it, it creates enough distance, I think, to make something beautiful out of it, out of something that could have been traumatic or horrible, potentially. Mm-hmm. And it gives distance and perspective. Tell me how you, like, why did you want to become a writer slash storyteller and how did you start doing it? Um, I, I wonder what, I don't, you know, that's, what was the original initial spark? I'm not exactly sure other than I love to tell stories. Like I, I love, I love being on your podcast. I love um, I love making people laugh. I love laughing with people. Like I love, I love attention. It's another <laughs> thing. That's another thing your sister just like chafes at whenever I say it. I'm like, honey, it's true. It's how I am. But um, because of that, I joined a memoir writing class when I was like 20 years ago, when I was 30 ish. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was a weekly class that turned into like a way of life for me. It just, it was this process of every week and every day, a little bit, not every single day, but writing my thoughts down on paper and, and then having an, uh, a deadline and an audience and a class and like a practice of making my stories better. And it just felt like, wow, maybe I have something to say. And I don't, I don't mean that like maybe I have something to say that other people would care about hearing, but like I felt like I had stuff that I needed to say, that I needed to work out on paper. And in that class... It was exactly at that. So like I joined the class, I would go every single week and um, for years. And then that's right at that time, a few years later, I got pregnant and I got pregnant on my own. I was very depressed immediately as soon as I got pregnant. I mean, your sister was like the closest thing I had to wife at the time. Like she Mm -hmm. came to my birth classes. She was so nice to me, even though I was not nice to her at all, because I was seriously depressed, like clinically depressed. But what I had at that time was my writing class. And so every single week I would bring in a story that I'd been working on during the week. And it was that thing. It was like, I wrote, you know, like, for example, that I was like kneeling on the sidewalk, vomiting into the grass when like one of my friends came by and was like, hey, are you praying? (laughs) (laughs) Which I just thought was just like the wackiest thing if you knew me because I'm like, I'm a very (laughs) lay Jew. Like, you know that. Like, praying? Like, I I probably should have been praying, but I wasn't. Anyway, I had stories like that to tell, but even more vulnerable ones. Like, just, I felt like shit. But then taking my stories every week to class and, and talking them out and telling them out loud made me feel like, for, I mean, just quite frankly, not alone. Yeah. And I'd had, I decided on my own to have a baby. I was a lesbian. I was not, I had no partner. I went to a sperm bank. I was like, I don't want to not be a mom. I got myself, I knocked myself up and then I was very (laughs) depressed and very alone. Mm -hmm. But I had my writing class and I had your sister and a few other friends. Yeah. And then people would offer to buy me underwear and I was just like, oh, I didn't curse. I was like, just get out of my face. I, I know my butt is fat. Like, I, I don't know. It was just like, I couldn't help. I couldn't receive thank like niceness from people. I don't, I, anyway, that's another thing. And then I wrote a book in that process. Yes. Which we'll talk about in a minute, but first I want to share, this is 
I didn't tell you about this because I wanted it to be a surprise. So in preparing for this interview, I actually found some emails between us. No way! Yeah, from when I was pregnant. Okay, so that's 16 years ago. And I thought it would be interesting to read them. Uh, okay. So, so, so this is August 17th, 2005. Why am I sweating suddenly? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it says, hey, Pam Howard, how are you? Stephanie tells me you aren't loving the pregnancy anymore. Oh, God, I understand. Honey, just know that your body has been taken over and that it's only temporary and you will feel good again. Better than you've ever felt in your life, I promise. Even if you think you are the fattest cow and will never get skinny again, you will. Skinnier than you've been with no exercise and a diet of cheese and cake. This is the miracle of breastfeeding. And even if you are sure that your baby is strangling herself in the womb, she's not. Babies know how to be born. My midwife said that to me a million times and I alternated between, how do you know, bitch? You don't know my baby. And okay, my, my midwife must know she's a midwife. But she, she was right. My best remedy for all of my anxiety was to just write it down. I just started keeping a journal, and I realized every once in a while when I read it back how crazy and bizarre it sounded, which changed the experience for me a little. It became fun. Well, not exactly fun at the time, but at least interesting to write down every crazy thought I had, like how bad my friends smelled and how much I hated the world. Then, of course, I used that to write a book. But even if you don't think you want to write a book, write some of it down. I think it will make it bearable and I'm interested in what you write and maybe you'll make it a letter to your baby. <gasps> of course, if you are hating her daddy, which I'm guessing you are because I hated the people who were most loving to me, like Stephanie, you may not want to write to the baby. I say though, write it all down for you. Like don't edit and don't censor yourself. Even if you write that you hate Gavin, you will love him again. I'm just guessing about this, but I know because some of my friends went through it with their husbands. Wow. I just went off. Call me if you ever want to talk. I'm thinking about you. I'm going to attach a performance piece I did for my book for your reading pleasure. Love, Andrea. God. Holy shit. Isn't that good? Um, okay. Can we, I wish that we had edited out the fat part. Like, what were my priorities? That embarrasses me really lo- a lot right now. But yeah, wow. I had some, I had some insight, and I was an, an advocate for writing. Yeah. Did you do it? So uh, you want to hear my response to you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Dear Andrea and Steph, because I think we were all on the same mm-hmm. email. Thank you both so much for your emails today. I cried reading both of them because, well, I cry all the time and because it felt good knowing you two were out there supporting me. Support is one thing I don't have a lot of here in Florida other than Gavin and my parents. I miss Coolidge Corner and pretty much everything about Boston these days. But Friday night, Gavin and I are going to synagogue, which we used to do all the time in Boston and haven't been since we moved here. And I might go to a Hadassah event for young professional women in the near future. I'm also starting therapy next Wednesday morning. I started writing in a journal the very first day I found out I was pregnant, but the pages were tear stained even then. And I just wasn't motivated to keep it up. So many... So many things were happening every day that it seemed like too much of a chore to write them all down. I recently bought one of those fill-in-the-blank journals, which seems much more manageable, even though it doesn't capture everything I'm feeling. I'm not hating Gavin. I'm loving him like crazy because he's been awfully patient with me and very helpful, but I fear I'm becoming over-dependent on him to do everything. Cook, clean, pay the bills, do the shopping, etc. He says he doesn't mind doing it and that it gives him pleasure, but I feel pretty useless and fear that one day he will resent me. 
Or that when the baby comes, I will have gotten so used to him doing everything that having to do it myself will only make me more depressed and overwhelmed. Of course, there are times when we get on each other's nerves. We both hate our jobs, so we are both irritable a lot of the time, especially on Sunday nights. He is trying so hard to do everything to make me happy, and I only hope that I am showing my appreciation enough. I love the excerpt from your book, Andrea. I'd love to read the entire thing someday. By the way, does the heightened sense of smell last throughout the entire pregnancy? My own house stinks to me. Gavin says he doesn't smell anything, but every time I go downstairs, I feel like I'm breathing in toxic fumes from our furniture that are going to hurt the baby and give me cancer. Oh, I also have major anxiety issues. I used to take Zoloft for this, but stopped when I found out I was pregnant. Now I've managed to kill about 30 minutes at work. Did I mention I hate my job? And we'll go find something else to do to procrastinate for a while. I heard you both may be coming here for Thanksgiving. Let me know and write back soon. I love you both. Kiss Tashi for me. Love, Pam. We had the same pregnancy. We had the exact same pregnancy. Oh, my God. I feel so sad for you. I mean, I knew it then, but I'm feeling sad. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you tried to write. Yeah. Definitely. I guess it helped a little bit. Well, and I think I kept those emails because I think that was part of the writing too, you know, like it was just part of the whole memory of it and everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So tell, so you wrote a book, tell us about your book and you've written more than one, right? I've written one book of my own memoir and I've edited a book of um, other people's personal essays. And I do have, so my first book is called My Miserable Lonely Lesbian Pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Which is out there for the, you know, read anyone's reading pleasure. And another book called Badass, which is the mm-hmm. compilation of um, personal essays. And okay. then I do have a book now that I'm working on getting an agent for and getting out there again because I lost my agent. And um, it's, I don't know what it's called. It's, it, I, the title I like is No One Knows I'm Famous. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just laughing to me that 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 is true, but um, I don't know. Well, th- this podcast will change all that. That's why I'm here, right? <laughs> okay, so um, so let's talk about. I want to talk about lip service, okay. right? But wait, I want to ask you a question. Can I? Oh, sure. So that was 16 years ago when you wrote that, and I'm yeah. wondering if that those letters kind of brought you toward this path. Like that was, I don't know if you had thought about like the importance of writing and putting your stories down and putting your thoughts down. I mean, maybe you had, and I, and I just like reinforced it, but since you're such a big believer in that, like, where did that come from for you? You know what? I started keeping a diary in fourth grade after I read the diary of Anne Frank. I was like so inspired by her and her diary that I, that's when I started keeping one of my own. That's beautiful. It's funny because the, the journals that I kept growing up were all full of drama. Like that was all I wrote about was all the drama in my life. And this boy that I had a crush on and didn't like me back. And I hate my mom and all these things. And so when I grew up, you know, and I actually, when I moved into this house that I'm in now, I shredded all of them. <laughs> oh yeah, I did. What? I, sh- I, sh- I just was like, I, I don't want this drama in my life. Like I don't want, I don't you want my took kids. The less drama a little bit too seriously. <laughs> Pam Howard. I, I didn't want my kids to read that. I just was like, 
enough, you know, like what? out of my life. Yeah. I yeah. want to read that. No, no. Oh God. No. We have a lot to talk about <laughs> off, off air. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, I, that felt really, it felt good to get rid of it. It was like, this part of my life is over. I'm done with it. I'm moving forward. Okay. You don't, you don't, doesn't sit well with you. No, but I know, but I have a ton of letters. I have tons and tons of letters that I wrote. Um, Cause my parents kept all the letters that I ever wrote to them and then gave them back to me. So I have those. I mean, you I know have... what? I can, I can rethink mm-hmm. my initial thinking. Mm-hmm. Like I can reframe how I'm experiencing or, or, you know, like, so you wrote in your journal since fourth grade, thanks to Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. And then you used it for specific cathartic purposes. You needed yeah. to write down all your drama. Right. So it was so why do you need to save it forever? I'm now, and maybe I'm with you. I mean, at first it hurt my feelings that you did that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, like for all that work, but and you you you, you yeah, you let it go. You but know I what it like is? It, it was down, like Yes, but but when I went back to reread it, it was like all those feelings came back and I didn't want that anymore, you know? I wanted to like move past it and just I didn't like how it made me feel to go back and reread it. So, yeah. All right, there's a lot to that. And I know that a lot of people do shred their journals or burn them and mm-hmm. I've heard, you know, a lot of people make it like a spiritual renewal kind of moment. I, I mean, I, I still have journals. I still have stuff. Just <laughs> you're, you're like, no, I still have stuff that's really going to embarrass me. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Saying. Okay, good. I don't know. Okay. Mm. I, I, I support you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So tell us about now you're, you were writing about yourself, but then you moved into like telling your stories out loud. And I want to know... What effect does telling your story out loud have on other people and have on you? I think writing has a bunch of purposes. Like for one, it's important to just write for your own self so that you can then see what you've written and like experience it and have a little distance from it. And that cathartic thing, like writing in your journal, that's one purpose. And it's so important for me to do that. But then the other purpose of writing, and there's tons more probably, but is the connection, like the, it's really a conversation. Uh, writing a story is a conversation first with yourself and then with someone else. And one of the things that really thrilled and thrills me still about writing and storytelling is having that conversation in the moment, like directly. And that's what I love about telling stories on stage. I mean, I love the attention. I love the, the back and forth. And then what happens all the time is like, so, okay. So I created this storytelling show called lip service, which was not just me telling my own stories, but because I loved it so much, I thought other people would love it so much too. And really it started in that class where I wrote my first book. It's Terry Silverman. She still teaches in LA. She teaches now with Zoom. She's Creative Rights is her her website, mm-hmm. R-I-T-E-S. I guess you guys, do you have like no show sleep. notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, notes. yeah, yeah. So Terry Silverman of Creative Rights was my original teacher, and she um, she's so great. Um, 
but wait, what was the question? Now I got sidetracked on trying to promote my, my Terry. Um, <laughs> just talking of just the impact of telling your stories out loud. Yeah. Okay. So then, so then, oh, in her class, I really feel like I became like a storytelling, something changed in me, which was like, oh my God, this is so great. I can tell my stories to this little class and I feel so alive and connected and not alone. And then she had, um, at the end of her class, there was a live performance. So you would take eight, 10 classes and then put your work up in front of people, like read it or just tell it in front of people and invite people. And there was a really cool little theater that, um, that people came to. And, um, she, that like was the first time I did that. I was just like, it was the most thrilling thing. And I just loved it, loved it, loved it. It was also a weird experience the first time because I thought it, I thought we were going to take the show on the road. I thought it was going to be like the greatest thing ever, ever. (laughs) And then people who were in my class who I thought were the most brilliant, something different happens with live storytelling, which is that you just never know what you're going to get. Mm. And, and so people got on stage and did really weird things like lit candles to their dead bunnies. And the stories that we rehearsed in class weren't exactly the stories that they told on stage. And I was a bit of a perfectionist. So I was like, what? What? They're ruining our show. They're ruining my show. This is my moment. And what's really beautiful about Terry Silverman is she was like, well, that's what live storytelling is. It's mm. never know. And she's just really accepting and open. My philosophy is a little different. If I'm inviting people to my show, I want to assure them that they are not wasting their time. Mm-hmm. And Terry doesn't think anyone's wasting their time. Like witnessing art is witnessing art on any level, she thinks. I'm not sure. I'm still learning that or trying to learn that. Yeah. So I created my own show called Lip Service, where I would invite people to submit their stories we would get like 80, 100 submissions. I mean, at the beginning we didn't, but it grew and grew and grew. Yeah. And I, and with a partner, there were two of us co-producers, we would choose eight storytellers to tell an eight minute story. Mm-hmm. And then those, but we workshopped them and worked on them really hard so that every single word, like when people veered from their script, I would get pissed. <laughs> like <laughs> that is not what we discussed you know, because yeah. I knew that there, I mean, 600 people came to our audiences by the end. It, I know it lasted, I was, I was one of them. It lasted nine years. It, it was quarterly. So we did it four times a year. And I feel like what, and it happened here in Miami. I'm in Miami. It started in LA. That's where I mm-hmm. took the class with Terry Silverman. And then I moved to Miami and then I started and there was nothing like that in Miami. And so I really felt like people were hungry to tell and hear true stories. Mm. And one of the things that I realized was that there was nothing people wouldn't tell. There was Mm. so much vulnerability on that stage. There were so many very, very revealing, vulnerable stories that people told. And then what would happen? I would tell my stories too. And then after there was always an after party and the after party was so exciting because what would happen is like people would like surround me to tell me their stories. Right. Sometimes I was like, wait, I'm not done telling mine, but I'm, I also really loved that it like, it was like, oh my God, that reminds me, I have to tell you. So I knew that there was like a fervor for people yeah. to tell their stories. Yeah. Let's and talk about that a little that. bit because I remember writing about my divorce for the first time on my blog and shaking before I hit publish you know, feeling like, oh my gosh, what are people going to think about me? Here I am, this parenting coach, and I talk about 
marriage all the time. And how can I help other women who, you know, if I don't have my life together, all these thoughts. And what ended up happening, you know, like Brene Brown talks about shame and vulnerability and, you know, but that being like the path to connection, what ended up happening is that so many people, like you're saying, came to me and was like, did you know that I was divorced? I had no idea that they were on their second marriages. And they, I mean, it was amazing. And, or just people came out of the woodwork to come and support me. I have learned, Telling, I have yeah, learned over and over and over again, that the, that the more vulnerable, the more likable, the narrator. So the mm-hmm. person who tells the story, if you tell the true story about your pain and you are really, really honest, or if you are read from your journals that you by accident shredded, I mean, there's actually, <laughs> there's actually by accident. A, yeah, there's actually a live show. Um, I, I don't know where, I think it's in LA or there used to be before the pandemic, a show where, which was my 12 year old journal. It was like, people would read from their journals on stage because it was just like, so interesting and humiliating. Um, but anyway, what I've learned over and over, and the reason why we started um, writing class radio, it's exactly what you're saying. My writing class radio partner, Allison Langer, lost a child. Mm-hmm. And she came to my writing class. I became a teach, a writing teacher like 10 years ago or something, 12, I don't remember, many years ago. And she was in my first class. And she resisted, resisted, resisted writing about that incident. And then mm-hmm. I could tell that she had something that she was hiding. And I was like, you got to write about the thing you don't want to write about. Mm-hmm. And that's like a prompt. Like I ask yeah. people to write down their obsessions. What are you obsessed about? What do you, what can't you get off your mind? And then circle the one that you just don't want to touch. Okay. Write about that. Right. Right. And then she ended up writing about the death of her daughter, which mm-hmm. is our first episode. Mm-hmm. And basically the whole idea of our podcast. And we talk it out in the first episode is like, that it's not like she's not going to be sad. Like she is always, but now she has, it's sitting on the side now and she's able to look at it and talk about it. And now she's no longer, that's the woman that lost a child. Right, right, right. Which is what she felt she had become. Mm -hmm. She took her power back. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. So let's talk about what we're offering to moms. I'm so (laughs) excited about this workshop. So Andrea and I are teaming up to offer moms a writing slash coaching workshop. So it's going to be a four hour workshop split into two days. So the first two hours is going to be on Saturday, February 13th. And then the second two hours is going to be on the next Saturday, February 20th. And tell us, Andrea, what is you're going to be doing the first the first session, the first two what hours. What did we name it again? Rewriting. We named it. Rewriting the stories we tell ourselves, I think is what we called it. Rewriting yes. the stories we tell ourselves. Yes. Um, so tell us first about what your part is going to be, and then I'll explain mine. Um, I, I am really excited for this too, because I'm really interested to see the evolution of what we create in this class. So in the class, people will come and actually write. which is always just so exciting to me. Like you come to a class and then you produce something and then you walk away feeling like a, you know, an artistic, like 
to me, I always feel like a rock star after that happens. So in the first class, we're going to write to a prompt and I won't say what it is, but everyone's just going to write, 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 write. And then we're going to talk about creating, um, we're going to go through like certain writing tips, like finding your voice, Mm -hmm. which is really just writing the way you speak, just Mm -hmm. talking to a friend. That's the way I understand it and think about it. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing we're going to talk about is um, creating a trustworthy narrator. And this is the thing that I think you are going to kind of turn around because the way I think about it, like the trustworthy narrator is the one who like really looks inward and is so vulnerable and calls out their own poop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Calls themselves out for the things they do. Like I call myself out for not being nice while I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what I think that does as a person sometimes, and I think what you're going to do is show us that we can look at that differently. Yes. But so, but your question was, what am I going to do for the first, what are we going to do for the first week? We're going to write stories in class and we're going to learn how to create story, make them as strong as possible. Okay. And so is this for people who are writers, non-writers? Like who is this class for? Because I, I everybody. Everybody. Okay. I mean, I know that, but I want you to, yeah, Yeah. but I'm just thinking about like the mom who's listening, who's thinking like, well, I'm not a writer. That's not my strong suit, or I don't like to write, you know, is this for me? What would you say? Okay. Okay. Mom, everybody. I actually really think that everybody has a story. Everybody has stories. If you can speak, you can write. And really this workshop is not so much about the writing, although that's the bonus. Like you'll learn a little bit about how to write better if you care about that, but it really is going to be about how to look at ourselves and rethink the way we tell the stories that we tell ourselves, which can sometimes be damaging, which is why I'm really excited for part two. (laughs) Yeah. So part (laughs) two, my part, part two is about taking our stories and reframing them, rewriting them so that they serve us moving forward in our lives. A lot of times the stories that we tell ourselves create shame, create regret and, or all kinds of emotions that we then take with us into our lives, into the future. And they hold us back in many ways. And so my part of the workshop is helping people through coaching to rewrite their story in a way that makes them the hero, you know, that, that helps them feel, you know, empowered moving forward in their lives. I actually think two very cool things are going to happen in this workshop. One is everybody who comes to this workshop is good. Well, three, everything, everybody who comes to this workshop, non-writers, writers, whatever, are going to write something. And they're going to be like, wait, I can write. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not interested in writing, they're going to be like, wait, I can write. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Because right. everybody, every single time has something interesting that comes out of even a 15 minute, like mind dump. Okay. Then they're going to share that. Please. I'm now I'm scaring people, but trust me, then you're going to share. And even if what you share is like the most shameful thing that you can imagine, you're going to see that everyone in the class, because I've never seen this not happen. Everyone is going to be like, wait, I'm with you. I think, yeah. I mean, I can tell a specific example that's a little bit graphic. All right. Well, if your kids are in the room, get them away. 
But wait, then the th- but then the third <laughs> thing that's going to happen before I tell my specific example that's a little bit graphic yeah. is um. So first, we, first the moms are going to be like, wait, oh my god, I can write. Second, they're like, oh my god, I was so ashamed of this. Wait, I don't have to be so ashamed of this, probably. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing is, you know what? Also, I might be looking at it from a certain angle that could completely be wrong. Yeah. Like I yeah. might have made up a story that isn't true or is true from one side, but not another. Exactly. Exactly. That is exactly what coaching helps us do. When we're, when we're stuck about something, it's because we're seeing it from our perspective, but it's just the story that we've made up in our minds that, you know, and the meaning that we've made of the facts that occurred, right? And and so when we can look at that and we can tell a different story based on and make different meaning out of it, then it changes our experience. You can literally change your experience of your past just by changing how you think about it. Yeah, (laughs) you can. So good. And as a storyteller and as an artist, you can choose which angle, which, what meaning you want to make of the facts. Right. Exactly. And that's what you're going to show us. And that's what I'm going to show us from a different angle. Yes. I mean, I guess I don't need to tell my slightly, um, you know, off-colored story about what happened to me when I well, was a shooter. Is there a, like a podcast episode where you've talked about it? Oh, yeah. That we can link yeah, to? Yeah, okay. Because yeah. it might actually be on our first episode too. Okay. Because it's kind <laughs> of like what happened to me in that very first writing class where I was like, I was so humiliated by my, my actions And I was like, I'm never going to tell anyone that this happened ever. And then I ended up telling my class Mm, because mm -hmm. I was a student in class and I followed a prompt. And then I was like, oh, whatever, can't get worse. And then everybody in my class just laughed and like, they got me. They felt it too. Mm -hmm. It was basically, it was just me throwing myself at a man a Mm. number of times over and over and getting (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in a really, really embarrassing, you know, way. Yeah. yeah. And then getting rejected. And even well, though there were no pregnant lesbian, single pregnant lesbians in my class who had ever thrown themselves at a man, no, no one had had that specific experience, but every single person had thrown, like had the, you know, humility, that low moment. Right, right. <laughs> they all right. had it. Right. Well, you know what my dad always says? He says, you don't have to be hit by a bus to know it hurts. Nice. So, yes. <laughs> so yeah. So everybody has human emotion and everybody can relate to feeling totally humiliated. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited for this. I really, I hope everybody goes, I'm going to link to the sign up page for this. Lessdramamoremama.com forward slash writing. And they'll find, they'll be able to sign up there. So is there anything else that we want to talk about? I want to tell moms not, please, please don't be afraid of the writing. The writing is going to be so much fun. Also, there's a limited um, number of people who can join. So jump on it because space is limited. Yes. And here's the other thing I was going to say is that you and I are going to participate too. Yep. We're going to tell our stories. So because one of the one of my philosophies is like we're all in this together. Like even right. though I've written a book one time 
um, you know, every single time I go to write, I'm like starting over. I'm starting from scratch and I have to create something new. And also Mm -hmm. if I'm not going to be vulnerable, then that's not fair. Right. Right. So I'm going to reveal something probably. Awesome. All right. (laughs) All right. So thank you so much for being here. And then tomorrow at the day after this airs, uh, we're going to go live in Facebook together to answer any questions that people have and to talk a little bit more about this. Okay. (laughs) All right. Nailed it. Writingclassradio.com. I don't think I sold my podcast enough. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more about writing and hearing true personal stories, please find Writing Class Radio, either at writingclassradio.com or wherever you find your podcasts. So good. I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well. Is there any anything else you want me to link to there, your website or anything like that? Writingclassradio.com. Okay. Perfect. All right. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you, Pam Howard. Loved it. Love you. I love you. Okay. I'm leaving. Bye. Bye. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now.